Good morning. I want to uh, begin this morning with a story. It's told by one of my heroes in the faith, the late James B. Torrance, who was a Scottish theologian and a biblical scholar, uh, lectured in Scotland. And in fact, one of his doctoral students was uh, Jeremy Begby, who was here with us just this past January for the organ dedication series. So Mr. Torrance tells of a time he was in California as a guest lecturer at a school there. The house they were providing for him was near the ocean. He was walking down uh, to the Pacific one morning to go for a swim. And he was greeted by an elderly gentleman who was uh, walking slowly along the shoreline. Well, after his swim, as he was exiting the ocean, Mr. Torrance noticed that this elderly gentleman was on his way back uh, from his walk, and this man walked right up to him to ask him who he was. And James Torrance said, well, I'm a Presbyterian minister from Scotland. I'm here giving some lectures at a school nearby. And the old man's face lit up. He said, how astonishing that I should meet you here just now. And the elderly man began to pour out his life and his story. You see, for over 45 years, he had lived in a very happy and loving marriage uh, with his wife, who had just gotten a uh, dire diagnosis and was dying of cancer. The man said, I've been walking up and down the streets at night and along this beach during the day because I'm desperate. I don't know how I can face the future without my wife and without my faith. You see, my father was a Presbyterian minister, but I've drifted away from the church. So when you spoke to me, he said to Mr. Torrance, I began to remember how my father was a man of such great faith. I wish I had that faith. But I've been walking up and down this beach trying to pray, but I can't. Desperate because I don't know how to face the future. I wish I had faith, trying to pray, but I can't. You ever felt that way? Maybe not the beach part, but the sentiment. I know I have. I still do from time to time. The pressures of life come squeezing in. I want to know what the future may be like. I'm, I'm searching for answers in my faith, and, and yet I, I can't seem to find them. I, I can't seem to find God. There's a temptation to throw in the towel, perhaps, just to, to give up at times. Or to even drift away from our faith in those moments because it seems like we can't access it any longer. Now, we can drift away from the church and from our communities of faith for a variety of reasons. One might be that we've had success. You know, life is going along pretty swimmingly. Seems like I've kind of got this thing figured out. And um, faith just becomes less a part of it. And it's usually pretty subtle. It is really is like a drifting away. Uh, things are going along pretty well. Or it might be the faith or the church seems irrelevant. 
uh, it doesn't seem to connect with me and the questions that I have at the moment are, and you know the fault could be on the church's end or it could be on the person's end, but there just seems to be no substance of connection. There seems to be no relevance. So people will drift away from the church. Another might be a crisis of faith. We're searching for answers and we can't find them. We feel shipwrecked in our faith. And so we drift away. Or it might be a crisis of faith where because of sin or failure or disappointment or shame, we can't just, just can't seem to face being in that atmosphere any longer. So we will drift away from the church. Well, I applaud the elderly gentleman in our story. He had drifted away. He was desperate. And he honestly confessed his struggle with Mr. Torrance. He was vulnerable. He took a chance, the risk of being thought foolish, a man of no faith in the eyes of this Presbyterian minister. And I want to tell you how Torrance responded to this man. He said, May I say to you what I'm sure your father would have said to you. In Jesus Christ, we have someone who knows all about this, this struggle. He's been through it all, suffering, temptation, even death. And he will carry the both of you, you and your wife, through it into resurrection life. I love that response because Mr. Torrance did not throw the man back on himself by saying, well, you know your faith. Have you forgotten your faith? Come on, man. Just get after it and pray. Find your faith. Throwing him back on himself. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's now, it's your efforts. Come on, muster them up. You can do it. No, he talked of one who walks and carries him through to resurrection life. He, in effect, reassured the man that even in his desperation, God had indeed heard his cry of faith and was answering. Well, we begin Lent uh, with the same gospel reading every single year, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, how he faces temptation and uh, faces down the adversary, Satan, quoting scripture and uh, finally says you know just be out of here satan and the angels come to minister to him and it's a, a wonderful story and often we may be tempted to say that's it that's that's how i need to approach things just double down on my faith and face my temptation uh, in exactly the same way that jesus has and so with good intentions we hear these stories and we begin to sacrifice and deny ourselves, hoping that it will draw us closer to God or at least give us a tangible expression of taking up our cross during Lent with the things that we do. Doubling down on our faith to face temptation and to sidle up to God. In doing so, without thinking about it, there's often a temptation which embraces us then to believe in our own strength of faith and our commitment to Christ without realizing that we actually begin to believe in ourselves, our own faith, rather than believing in God 
And I just want to give you an example of this believing in ourselves from Scripture. We're going to get to this story in a number of weeks when we hit Passion Week. But you'll remember, Jesus is in the upper room having the Last Supper with His disciples. And He's telling them, you know, before this is all over, one of you is going to betray me. And they, if you remember, they begin to say, you know, who can it be? And from uh, the text, it seems like Peter is not near Jesus, but John is. And it looks like Peter is looking at John going, ask him, who is this? Who's going to be this one that does this? And Jesus begins to tell him, you know, the one who dips the bread in the bowl with me. That's who it's going to be. And so they go on about that for a bit. But then here comes Peter. As they're discussing this, who is this one going to be? He says, not me. I will lay down my life for you. And then he says something, I don't know if we noticed it, it's really pretty rude. (laughs) Think about it. He's with these guys, the disciples, and they've spent three years together. They probably, you know, a bond of a band of brothers. They've been in this. And then he looks at him and he says, even if all of these desert you, <laughs> these guys, I'll go with you even unto death. Isn't that rude? It's your best buddies. And then all of a sudden you throw them under the bus, even if they all bolt. Not me. I'm the one who will stick it out. Good old Peter. Bold. I'm not going to relinquish my faith. I won't be tempted to betray you and succumb. I'm going all the way. And how does Jesus respond? Well, notice first of all when we get to those readings, he doesn't call him Peter, the rock. He goes back to his former name, Simon. (laughs) Simon. I hate to tell you this, but for the cock crows tonight, you're going to deny me three times. But do not let your heart be troubled. It's important. I'm going to point this out. This is a sidebar, but it is, it is important. You, uh, I don't, you probably know this, but if you don't, when the scriptures were written, there were no chapters. We put those in later. And sometimes we put them in well, and sometimes we blew it. And this is one of those times when we really blew it. The end of John 12 says, Peter, before this is over, you're going to deny me three times. Chapter's over. We close the Bible. We read our chapter. Open it up. Begin the next day. John 13 begins, do not let your hearts be troubled. It's the same conversation. Jesus is talking to Peter. Peter, you're going to deny me, but do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Do you see how Jesus ministers to Peter? It's not, find your faith, man. Come on. You're supposed to be the rock. You're the one I called the rock of all my disciples. He doesn't throw him back on himself. He says, believe in God. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe also in me. The ministry of the church is to direct people's gazes toward the gospel of grace that we might look to Jesus who has led us, who has faced temptation 
to open our hearts and draw us by his spirit into communion with his father and not to throw people back upon themselves where they begin to believe and have faith in their faith in God. But let me tell you, this is a process as we are doing this thing called church and life, which we cannot predict or control because the rest of this story with Jesus and Peter Jesus is saying, Simon, you know, Satan is here and he has desired to sift you like wheat. And then Jesus says, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Well, I don't know about you, but if there's somebody who's going to get their prayers answered, I'd put Jesus at the top of the list. He's the one, right? I mean, even more than uh, our heroes, James Torrance, whoever's your might be, C.S. Lewis, uh, Aunt Rosie, who was awesome. Peter's got to be number, or I mean, Jesus got to be number one. I pray for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And what happens? Three times deny, betrayal, Jesus is crucified. And we might be tempted to say, well, what happened? Looks like his faith failed. <laughs> but that's not the end of the story. The risen Lord returns and specifically goes to Peter, who has been upheld by the intercessions of Christ and is ultimately reconciled back to his Savior. A not a shipwreck of faith who can walks away from the fellowship forever. In fact, his faith was upheld. In spite of the failure, his faith was upheld. And so too with our elderly gentleman in this story. He had walked away from the church. I have no faith. He begins to have a few conversations with Mr. Torrance, who incidentally goes a week later to see the man's wife in the hospital and talks to them about the Jesus who faces this with them. And about a month later, James Torrance gets a note uh, in the mail from this man that says, my wife is passed on safe in the arms of Jesus. Friends, our world has felt like it's been in a perpetual Lenten season. Sometimes we look at the future and we're tempted to say, where is God? What is going on? Will Easter ever get here? Does Easter still exist? Well, let me remind you, Easter is always here in the presence of the living God that lives within us. Temptations will come and assail us, and yes, we might even fall and stumble. Most likely will, like Peter. But there is one interceding for you and me, Jesus Christ, who upholds us and will carry us through into resurrection life.